Iowa's Attorney General and State Treasurer are both in their 10th terms, the longest serving officials holding those state offices in the country. We sit down with Tom Miller and Michael Fitzgerald on this edition of Iowa Press. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation. The Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Fuel Iowa is a voice and a resource for Iowa's fuel industry. Our members offer a diverse range of products, including fuel, grocery, and convenience items. They help keep Iowans on the move in rural and urban communities. Together, we fuel Iowa. Small businesses are the backbone of Iowa's communities, and they are backed by Iowa banks. With advice, loans, and financial services, banks across Iowa are committed to showing small businesses the way to a stronger tomorrow. Learn more at iowabankers.com. For decades, Iowa Press has brought you political leaders and newsmakers from across Iowa and beyond, celebrating 50 years of broadcast excellence on statewide Iowa PBS. This is the Friday, March 11th edition of Iowa Press. Here is Kay Anderson. Our guests today are a couple of Democratic politicians who are seeking their 11th terms in office at the State House. Tom Miller was first elected Attorney General in 1978. He ran for governor in 1990 and returned to the Attorney General's office in 1995. Mike Fitzgerald has been the state treasurer since 1979. Gentlemen, welcome to Iowa Press. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Nice to be back. Also joining our conversation today are Katerina Sestarik of Iowa Public Radio and Aaron Murphy of the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. Gentlemen, as Kay noted, you're both seeking your 11th four-year term in your respective offices. I'd like to ask each of you, what do you hope to accomplish in the next four years that you haven't in the previous 40? Attorney General Miller, we'll start with you. Well, we've, we've got a number of things on sort of our unfinished agenda that, that are really important. One is, is opioids. We've been working for a number of years on opioids with the, on a bipartisan effort with, with the rest of the state attorney generals, and we're about to, to get significant money, and we want to work with the Department of Public Health and everybody else to really make a difference in terms of the opioid crisis and, 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 and situation, to deal with prevention and treatment in a way that, that really serves Iowans. And also, we, we, we're, we've just started working on the, the fertilizer issue. Fertilizer prices went up just dramatically for farmers, as much as 10, 100% in some cases, 400% in others. So, you know, we're, we're, we're working with economists and, and all the players to figure out why that happened and, and, and what, what, what we should do. And also, I, you know, I've had the, this year I have the privilege of being the president of the Attorney General's Association, and you get to choose a priority. And my priority is consumer protection. We've got a number of issues, dark patterns, algorithms, marketing to kids. We're working on that, and that will continue well into the next term. So there, there's a huge amount of unfinished business that, that we want to work on and are excited to. You know, my, my whole principle of the office is that we use the law to serve the interest of ordinary Iowans. We do that in consumer protection, in the farm division, in, in criminal prosecution, and now on, on, on the opioid situation. Mr. Fitzgerald, what, what's in store for what would be another term for, uh, in your office? Well, you know, times change, and our, certainly our office has changed with the times. And I've continued to protect 
Iowa's money. And I continue uh, to protect IPERS. There's a constant threat and strong interest groups that want to change IPERS to a 401k, and I'll continue to be vigilant about that. We also have developed one of the best college savings programs in the country, $7 billion in that, with also $4.5 billion has been taken out to help families send their kids to college. Iowans love it and it's performed spectacularly. Also, we have the Great Iowa Treasure Hunt, where we've collected literally hundreds of millions of dollars. We've returned $400 million to a half a million Iowans. Iowans are familiar with the Great Iowa Treasure Hunt, and I always tell them, call up the Great Iowa Treasure Hunt, <clears throat> put in your name, and you'll more than likely be surprised. But we're going to take... We're and gonna remind folks what exactly that program is for people who may not be familiar. The Great Iowa Treasure Hunt is where uh, people forget about lost or forgot about bank accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts. People buy bonds or stocks and forget about them, insurance policies. They may move and not get their utility refunds back to them. So last year alone, we got $49 million turned over to us. My goal is to return every penny of that money uh, to the rightful owners. And there's a new area that we want, we've been working on, we've joined with other states, we're trying to get the savings bonds that have been matured, but the federal government makes no effort to return these savings bonds uh, to individuals. Iowans estimate is $300 million belong to Iowans. So we're working, we've talked to Senator Grassley and Senator Ernst and uh, other legislators, and we're trying to get the law passed so they'll at least Give us the names and addresses of Iowans that have that money coming because we have a track record of returning money to the rightful owners. And so uh, we want to continue to do it, but there's a, we want to expand on that. This question is also for both of you, but I'll start with Mr. Miller. Is it your primary goal to serve another term or to help Democrats hold on to a statewide office in a state that's increasingly favoring Republicans? It's to serve another term, you know. I, I love this office. It's, it's a great office. You get to use the law to serve the interest of ordinary Iowans. You get to call them as, as you see them in terms of, of the interpreting the law and everything you do. So, uh, and I feel, I feel incredibly grateful to, to Iowans to give me the chance to be in this office so, so, so long. But and also, also, you're never bored in the office. There's, there's always issues coming in. So, I, you know, I want, I want to serve another term. I want to help Democrats, too. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a team player. I, you know, I always work with Mike and support Mike and work with the rest, rest of the ticket. I, I, I will be a team player. But I'm running because I want to be attorney general again. It's, it's a great office. So what happened after um, I talked to you the, on the eve of the last election cycle in which you said you weren't going to run again? Well, what, what, what happened is, you know, I, I kept working in the office and uh, felt that, um, that I still had a lot of energy and drive and, and was enjoying the office. Felt that we were doing some of the best things that, that we've ever done in the office. Um, have, have a great staff. So, you know, I decided I, I want to keep doing this. Why, 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 why give this up at this point when, uh, when I'm enjoying it, when I, when I have the energy, when we have a great staff, when we're doing good things? Want to, want to keep doing it and, 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 and do, the, do the new things that I talked about before, the, the fertilizer, the, the, the consumer issues, the, uh, and uh, the, the opioids. Um, so the, the unfinished agenda I was, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting back to. Mr. Fitzgerald, same question. Do you 
Is it your primary goal to serve another term or to help Democrats retain statewide offices? Well, I'd say both. You know, I love being treasurer. I think we're doing a lot of good for the Iowa citizens, you know, as I said, protecting their money. Triple A credit rating for the state's awful important. Uh, a uh, lot of things we can help Iowans with. But I'm also very proud of uh, the Democratic ticket. Uh, it's not put together yet, but I know uh, candidates up and down the ticket and in the primary, we can't go wrong. We, we're going to have a, a strong Democratic challenge, and I'm uh, excited about being a part of it. And we should mention our friend Rob Sand. He's, he's running for re-election, too. We're running, running the three of us. are supporting each other and fortifying each other and believe, believe, believe that all three of us have done a good job and deserve another term. Mr. Miller, uh, you are likely to face Republican Brenna Byrd in the general election. And when she was announcing her candidacy, she, main, she said that one of the reasons she's running is because it's time to sort of hit back against the authoritarianism of the Biden administration. It's clear that Republicans are going to tie both of you to Joe Biden. What's your answer going to be? Well, uh, it's, it's a fundamental answer uh, in, terms of, in terms of the AG, and that is, you know, what is the Attorney General's office all about? What are your responsibilities? You're exactly right that whole, her whole key to her campaign is that she's against Biden. If you're against Biden, you should support her, is, is what she's saying. And that but, was successful for Republicans in previous off-year presidential elections. Well, not against me or Mike. <laughs> uh, and, but but the, there's a fundamental problem there. I mean, this is, this is a major office where, you, where I believe you have the authority and responsibility to use the law to serve ordinary Iowans, that you should be an independent attorney general to interpret the law as the law is written and not be a partisan or an ideological attorney general. So I, I, th I think she's on the wrong track on that, and I think, I think Iowans ultimately will agree with me on that. Uh, Mike Fitzgerald, you will likely face Republican Robbie Smith, who's a current member of the state Senate. He also has um, invoked the name of Joe Biden as a reason for Republicans up and down the ticket to be elected. The recent Des Moines Register poll out this week showed about a third of Iowans have a favorable view to the president's job performance. Why isn't he, Joe Biden going to be a drag on your candidacy? <clears throat> well, first of all, I was glad to hear he's not coming after me. Because uh, we've done things that are pretty hard to dispute, you know, with the college savings and the great Iowa treasure hunt and such. But I think the opinion of, uh, that people have of Joe Biden is going to improve dramatically this year. I think that uh, because it's, it's always easy to blame the president in power for any ill you may have. But if you look at the Iowa economy, it's strong. Farmers are getting, what, close to $17 a bushel for beans, $7 for corn. Land prices up 29% last year with low unemployment. Uh, revenues are up for the state. We have a strong economy here in Iowa. And then we're really at war with Putin. And Joe Biden has really proven himself uh, bringing the world together to stand up to this tyrant. And in, uh, I think all Americans are going to be proud of what he's doing. And he's being strong. And that stock market in Russia, their economy, it's crumbling by the minute. So uh, I think Joe Biden's prospects are good. So speaking of that uh, and the issues with the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine that has obviously many um, ancillary effects in, in throughout the country, and one of the discussions is whether states should be divesting in companies that are um, you know, Russia-based and, and 
Mr. Fitzgerald, you and I have had this conversation previously, but I want to ask you here, uh, IPERS has uh, state money tied into Russian investments. You're uh, uh, not only state treasurer, but a voting member of the IPERS board, the state public employee retirement system. Should is there a discussion being had about that, and should should in your view the state be divesting from Russian-owned properties? Well, I've made it clear that I think we should be, um, and I've joined with 38 other treasurers calling for public pension funds and companies to divest from Russia. And as we see on the news every night, companies are leaving Russia, but we also have to recognize that the ruble has crashed, and the stock market in Russia. Is closed. It hasn't been open since this has happened. So if you wanted to sell out, you can't. And if you sold out, it, you get pennies on the dollar. So in a responsible way, I know IPERS will move in that direction as well as other states are. The question is going to be, and, and the Russian Central Bank, they're freezing assets to anybody that's not aligned with Russia. So you really can't get it. Um, but we'll be pushing for more measures like to be able to, if a pension fund like IPERS has uh, been hurt, well, maybe we can sue uh, and get Russian assets, like all those yachts you see floating around that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, because we've been damaged by Putin, and there's a good legal argument to be made. And speaking of foreign investments or maybe divestments, uh, there's a bill that has passed both chambers of the legislature regarding uh, state funds invested in companies that boycott Israel, um, some people argue that it was narrowly tailored to address the specific company of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I was wondering if you had any, uh, from your perspective of Treasury, your thoughts on that legislation. Yeah, their parent company was who they were going after. Um, we already uh, do not invest in companies that boycott um, Israel, so um, it's, <clears throat> it gets a lot of attention. It's not going to change the way any of us invest or live. So Iowa has no investment in Unilever, well, uh, which is the parent company of yes. Ben and Jerry's. It's the. Uh, I think we do have. You know, Ipers does have some because they're in an index fund, so they do have fun. But it's a uh, European country a company, and uh, so it's you know it's not an American company that. Can, but uh, I think everybody is everybody that I know of has been supportive. Of the boy, uh, boycotting companies that uh, boycott Israel. Mr. Miller, in 2018, you refused to defend Iowa's fetal heartbeat abortion law in court, and a letter from your office said it was because you had a core belief that this could potentially undermine women's rights. But last month, your office argued that the Iowa Supreme Court should overturn abortion rights protections at a time when those protections are also kind of hanging in the balance at the federal level. Has your core belief about that changed? It, it has not. Here, here, here's, here's what happened. The cases are really too quietly two distinct cases. Um, in, in 2018, um, the hope uh, of those that passed that legislation was to overturn Roe versus, Roe versus Wade uh, at, the, at, the, at the federal level, at, at the U.S. Supreme Court level. And in, in, in the current case that, that we're involved in, um, it's, it, it involves the state case and the state constitution. And also it involved, where, where we're involved are on, on two really preliminary motions that are the, one of which is very important. The one is should the should the should the, the legislation be found unconstitutional because of, you know, of a single subject, uh, and that that potentially involves a lot of a lot of different 
potential laws that, that have enormous, enormous ramifications for us to, to deal with. Uh, the second was, was the issue precluded, a very technical question, was the issue, issue, issue precluded uh, as, a, as a result of the, of the previous litigation. So we've been involved on, on those two issues. Um, depending on how it comes back, if there is, is, if there is a, a great deal of similarity, uh, even though it stayed in federal, uh, we would probably withdraw and have someone else do it on, on, on the merits of, of the issue. You, you hired the governor's legal counsel, and he in court argued that the decision that the Iowa Supreme Court made protecting abortion rights to a, a strong level was wrong. What, what, what he argued uh, just, just at, the, at the end, uh, when those two, two basic decisions were, were uh, the, the, those two basic issues were, were dealt with, I think was what the, what the, standard, what the standard should be. Uh, in terms of review, should it should it be uh, the strict scrutiny stat- standard that currently is in place, or should it be the undue burden standard that's in in the federal Roe versus Wade? Um, Mr. Fitzgerald, I wanted to bring it back to Ipers here, here uh, again. Um, in 2013, on this show, uh, you argued that um, that uh, or suggested that maybe I should say that the benefits should be capped in, in that program in order to keep it healthy for the long term. Is, is that still your position today? Well, Ipers has had three fantastic years of growth. We're now uh, it's over 88 percent funded. On a smoothing basis, but if you looked at just our assets versus our liabilities, IPRS is 100% funded. Uh, so the need to put in more controls on IPRS, not necessarily at this time. So I, I wouldn't uh, support that. But I still bring up there are strong special interest groups out there that have a lot of say in Iowa politics, and there's some Republican senators that would love to turn it into a 401k system. And that would be devastating for the 360,000 Iowans that depend on IPERS, but also the counties, every county in Iowa. And in many of them, IPERS is the, their IPERS check is the kind of the biggest payroll each month. So it benefits all Iowans. And that was a, a pretty heated topic in, in the state capitol a few years back. I personally haven't heard that in recent years. Is, is, is that a legitimate concern still, or is that issue maybe died off for now? I think it's a legitimate concern, and the reason it died off, uh, I went around to the western rural areas of the state, and a state treasurer normally maybe a one or two people show up. But if you're there to talk about IPERS, the buildings were packed. Talk, you know, go to Red Oak and you get 150 people. Their concern, what's going to happen to IPERS? And their uh, social media lit up, and the message got back to the governor, who on uh, this show wouldn't answer David Yepsen's question about would she not change IPERS to a 401k. And by the end of it, when Kay asked her that, it was, oh, there would be no change to IPERS. So Iowans have to be vigilant, and I'll be vigilant in protecting IPERS. You have a good memory on that. You're, you're onto that issue, Mike. You're onto that, <laughs> which is a good thing. You're exactly right on the issue to protect diapers. Uh, Mr. Miller, you mentioned earlier about the potential settlements with the makers and marketers of OxyContin mm-hmm. um, and related to the opioid crisis. Uh, how much does Iowa stand to benefit from those settlements? Well, the, the, there's, there's a series of settlements, but the, there's one very large one. 
that deals with the three distributors, the three large distributors in, in Johnson & Johnson. And that's going to be a lot of money over a long period of time. It's going to be about $174 million over 18 years. And half of that money is going to go to the cities and counties and half, half, half to the state. So there will be about $87 million at the state. We, we start out with about $6.5 million uh, for, for next year. And as I said, what, it, it, it's not a lot of money, but it's not an insignificant amount of money. And what we want to do is, is sort of use a multiplier effect to, to use it in ways we can leverage things. And the, the two areas that, that come to mind most significantly are prevention. Um, that, you know, in 1996, opioids were prescribed very rarely, and that's exactly right. They went way up and then they've, they've come down, but have they come down enough in terms of the prescriptions? So we've, we've got some things, some surveys, some means to sort of deal with that, um, maybe some public, public education. And then the other is, is treatment. The, the answer you know, to a larger number of these problems is, is treatment. And um, when, when, when treatment is successful, it can turn a person's life around. And opioids have, a, have an enormous impact on a whole family. That, that also is, is you have to keep in mind in terms of, of dealing with this and, and, and your purposes. So um, we think that, uh, that more treatment and particularly some more in the area of medic, medic, medicine-assisted treatment uh, will work and, turn, and, and help turn people's lives around. Mr. Miller, um, you made a deal with the governor whereby she gets essentially veto power over whether you get to join multi-state lawsuits. Um, critics say that sort of defanged your office. Why did you make that deal? Well, it, uh, it, the, critic, the critics are wrong, okay, and let me, let, let, let me tell you why. Um, there was legislation passed um, that would have limited very significantly my ability to get in, 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 in litigation in federal court and particularly in, in suing the Trump administration, but, but uh, some other, other lit litigation as well. Also would limit my ability to make comments to, to federal agencies. Um, so I went to the governor and, and made my appeal in terms of the authority of the office, uh, just like you know, she protects the authority of her offices. And we entered into a compromise. So a number of, th a number of things were, were I, I, I could continue to do, like the comments and related things. And on, on, the, on the litigation, well, it, it was important to me in terms of the powers and duties of the office that it was our agreement that it wasn't in the code, it wasn't permanent. When we leave, it would go back to, to where, where, where it should be. And so she, she has authority on, on some litigation, particularly in federal court, but not multi-states. Multi-states are, you know, like the opioids and the core of what we do. Those, that, that is state litigation, and she has no authority in terms of filing the lawsuits. So it was, it was, it was a compromise that, that really made some sense and was entered into in good faith by her and me and, and, and seems to be working reasonably well. So why did you hire the governor's legal counsel? People really scratched their heads at that one. Well, that, that goes back to sort of the, the professionalism of our office and the idea of to hire, the, hire, hire really able, good people to, to do the work in our office. And um, Sam Langholtz is, is the person, and he came to our office and, and asked if, you know, if, if, if there was a possibility that he could work in our office. And we, we thought about it very, very quickly and, 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 and very seriously. And we knew him. He, he's an incredible legal talent. Uh, incredible, incredible, incredibly bright and able. We had worked with him when he was the counsel to the governor, and that was a professional relationship. 
uh, relationship where you know we respected him and he respected us. And we thought that he could make a, a significant contribution to our office. We're exactly right. He's done just incredible work in our office. He's worked a lot with our Solicitor General, uh, Jeff Thompson. They've been a great partnership. And Jeff Peter Zellick, our other, other chief litigator. He's been involved in employment cases, jury trials. He's been involved in, in, in significant litigation. So, you know, I thought that hiring him would further the interest of the office, which, which would further the interest of, of Iowans. And I believe I've been pr proven exactly right. Gentlemen, we have just a little more than a minute left in, in that time remaining. Uh, we've got new reporting from the Des Moines Register about the Iowa caucuses and, and wanted to ask you both as members of the Democratic Party, uh, the reporting uh, suggests that there's a proposal in front of national Democrats that would alter the presidential nominating system and might threaten Iowa's first in the nation status. Just um, I'm wondering to hear, curious to hear from you both and Mr. Fitzgerald, we'll start with you. Should, is this a concern to you? What is the case for keeping Iowa first? And are you concerned that that process is maybe being changed and Iowa will lose that spot? Well, I'm certainly concerned about it. All Iowa Democrats are concerned about it. But uh, as long as I can remember, every four years, we go through this again, one level or another. But we have a good team out there with our party chair and Scott Brennan uh, arguing for Iowa's case that uh, it's a, pair, a fair playing field in Iowa and remind folks that we nominated Barack Obama, a black man, when nobody thought a black man could be elected president. Mr. Uh, sorry, Mr. Miller, in the about 30 seconds we have left, what about the concerns about uh, the caucus format and that it uh, makes it hard for some people to attend? Isn't there a case to be made for having a state that just has a primary first? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, we, we keep expanding the caucus to try and accommodate the interest that, that you're talking about. But in, in a caucus... It's, it's, it's the ultimate in retail politics. The, the candidates have to come out and, and convince people to be for them. And it's, it's, not, it's not TV ads, it, it, it's personal contact and, and, and speeches. And it, it's real important for that filter to be in place before someone gets to be a nominee or, or, or president. I th and, and we've performed incredibly well, as Mike, Mike mentioned, the Obama situation, and, and Jimmy Carter got, got his start here as well. Well, we have, gentlemen, we have reached the end of this episode of Iowa But Press. not the end of the caucuses. We're going to win. We're going to fight like hell to keep the caucuses here. Uh, thank you both for joining us today. And on behalf of everyone here at Iowa PBS, thanks for watching. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation. The Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Fuel Iowa is a voice and a resource for Iowa's fuel industry. Our members offer a diverse range of products, including fuel, grocery, and convenience items. They help keep Iowans on the move in rural and urban communities. Together, we fuel Iowa. Small businesses are the backbone of Iowa's communities, and they are backed by Iowa banks. With advice, loans, and financial services, banks across Iowa are committed to showing small businesses the way to a stronger tomorrow. Learn more at iowabankers.com.